minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
Let's go far. 
JM in the AM. Good morning and welcome to 91.1 FM, 90.1 FM in the Catskills, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial. And I welcome those of you tuned in around the world, no matter where you are, whether you're in the Holy Land or anywhere else on the globe. Thanks for listening at jmtheam.org. Thanks for being tuned in on our app, on your laptop, on our listen line, whatever method you use to tune in from anywhere on this globe. You heard Charles Shellas with uh, their CD connections and Anim's Miro. Shua Kesson had Nishmas. You heard the Nishmas done by Yehuda Green. Curry Bone from Ari Goldwag. Kamu Vaneha. I told Yochi Briskman, Yaakov Shweki's producer, that that might be the best song on the brand new album entitled Kolot. He said the best thing about this new album is that everybody has a different song that they consider to be the best song. <laughs> And that's a good sign. Regesh Modani opening things up, and we say good morning. It's Friday on this April 25th, day 25 in the month of Nisan. The year is 5774. Tufshin Ayin Today is day 10 in the counting of the Omer, one week and three days. If you forgot to count last night, make sure to do so sometime today. It's Erev Shabbos Parshas Kedoshim with candlelighting time at 726. On this era of Shabbos, many synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when the things start where you are. 726 official candlelighting time. Well, Ben Rosh Chodesh tomorrow, Rosh Chodesh ER will be two days, as always, Wednesday and Thursday for your two-day Rosh Chodesh. Again, that's Wednesday and Thursday of next week. Also, the custom is to begin saying Pirkei Avos, what's referred to as Ethics of the Fathers, Every um, Saturday afternoon, Shabbos afternoon, beginning with the Shabbos after Pesach. And uh, that'll begin tomorrow. Perek Aleph, the very first chapter of Pirkei Avos, Ethics of the Fathers, will be said and studied this coming Shabbos. 46 degrees outside with 39% humidity. Winds are east at 5 miles per hour. I had no idea it was supposed to rain this Shabbos. I don't know why I was expecting good weather unless I was looking. I may have been looking at the weather down in Florida when I was analyzing what's going to happen this weekend. Uh, partly cloudy today with a high of 61. Then rain for tonight, low 48. Showers for tomorrow, a high temperature 67 degrees. We're at 86 in Yerushalayim, 46 here in Jersey City as we say good morning at JM and the AM. One hour from now, Malcolm Holmline will join us. The return of the weekly update post-Pesach. Lots going on to say the least, and we'll discuss all of it coming up in the uh, 7 o'clock hour. About 7.40 in the morning, we'll get started with um, the weekly update. So join us for that, as so many thousands do around the world every single week. Don't forget, there's a weekly update podcast information. If you go to the news section at jmtheam.org, you'll find it on the uh, homepage, the news section of jmtheam.org. And um, that podcast is available already uh, starting later on today. Don't forget, great weekend programming on our stream right after JM and the AM. Naomi Nachman has a throwback show to one that she did in January, a very, very cool show about kosher food on Table for Two. That starts at 9 o'clock this morning right after JM and the AM. Uh, then we've got a uh, an incredible day of an Erev Shabbos music mix. You're talking about a total of about nine and a half hours continuous Erev Shabbos music going on with a big thank you to our friends at Kedem. That goes from 10 a.m. Eastern time all the way until candle lighting. I don't know of a better way to prepare for Shabbos than with the Erev Shabbos music mix.
So check that out. Uh, Avrami hosts uh, Saturday Night Seagull tomorrow night starting at 10 p.m. Eastern Time on the stream. That's tomorrow night starting at 10 p.m. Eastern Time on the stream. And then Sunday, Matis has another amazing live edition of JM Sunday starting at 7 a.m. until 9 a.m. Uh, Eastern Time on Sunday morning. Make sure to be tuned in and enjoy that presentation, which brings us to six days a week where you have a JM in the AM show to start your day. 21 minutes before 7 o'clock, JM in the AM with this incredible piece I have been listening to, I don't know how many Fridays in a row, uh, we found it online, a, a TV appearance from back in 1973 by the great Rup Shlomo Kalbach. Here it is at JM in the AM. Shalom 
ובכן רבותיי, יש לי חלום, יש לי חלום, בטח אתם חווים אותו הדבר.
J.M. in the A.M. Shwebel Shar from Levine with Curry Bone. You heard Kia Tud done by Shlemy Toysig. Shiva Boys had Kel Dos, the great Shlomo Kalbach of Pe'er B'chavod, that came off of a television appearance in Israel that we found on YouTube. Friday morning, 7 a.m., and this is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Heard and listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial, around the world on the web, jmtheam.org. It's day 10 in the counting of the Omer on this Friday. If you forgot to count last night, make sure to do so sometime today. It's one week and three days, day 10 
in the Omer. Erev Shabbos Parshas Kedoshim, candlelighting time at 7.26 later on. 7.26, many synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Well, Ben Rosh Chodesh tomorrow, Rosh Chodesh ER will be Wednesday and Thursday. Wednesday and Thursday, Rosh Chodesh ER. Monday will be our Yom HaShoah observance right here at JM in the AM between 6 and 9 a.m. Make sure to be tuned in. Wednesday, we'll be down at NORPAC in Washington, D.C. as we celebrate NORPAC 1000. They are this close to getting 1,000 registrants for the big mission this coming Wednesday to Washington. Information at norpac.net, N-O-R-P-A-C dot net. Galei Tzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast next to JM and the AM. גלי צהל השעה שתיים, כאן כרמית ראובן עם מה שקורה עכשיו. סבב מינויים חדש בצהל, הרצי הלוי ימונה לראש אמן, כתבנו טל אברהם. שר הביטחון והרמטכ"ל סיכמו כי ראש אמן אביב כוכב ימונה לאלוף פיקוד צפון, ואותו יחליף בתפקיד את אלוף הרצי הלוי, שהוא עלה לדרגת אלוף. לראש אכה ימונה חגי טופולנסקי, ואת אלוף יוסי בכר ימונה למפקד גיס, והוא יעלה גם הוא לדרגת אלוף. נשיא ארצות הברית ברק אובמה אומר, כנראה שישראל והפלסטינים היו צריכים הפסקה במשא ומתן. זה סכסוך שצריך להיפתר, אבל עדיין לא ראינו רצון של המנהיגים לקבל החלטות קשות, אמר אובמה והוסיף. וזה נכון לשני הצדדים. גם שר האוצר יאיר לפיד התייחס בצהריים להפסקת השיחות. כתבנו ענבל תמיר שמע אותו בכינוס של המועדון הכלכלי-מסחרי ראשון לציון. אנחנו בתוך ניסיון מתמיד, לא תמיד קל, כבר חודשים ארוכים, לקדם את המשא ומתן להיפרדות מן הפלסטינים. ואז אנחנו קמים יום אחד בבוקר ומתברר לנו שאבו מאזן עושה הסכם עם החמאס, שהוא ארגון טרור ג'יהאדיסטי. שנשבע להרוג יהודים. אנחנו לא מנהלים משא ומתן עם החמאס, לא במישרים ולא בעקיפין, כי עם החמאס לא מנהלים משא ומתן. צבא אוקראינה החל בשלב השני של המבצע נגד הפעילים הפרו-רוסים, כתבתנו חן פישר. לפי הדיווחים, מטרת המבצע היא קיטור העיר סלוויאנסק מעוז ההתנגדות לממשלה בקייב. מוקדם יותר היום הבהיר ראש ממשלת אוקראינה כי רוסיה עומדת מאחורי הבדלנים. וכי ברצונה לפתוח במלחמת עולם שלישית באזור. אכזבה לישראל באליפות אירופה בג'ודו, אלופת העולם ירדן ג'רבי הודחה מהטורניר כבר בקרב הראשון אחרי שהפסידה ליריבה מפולין. עוד בספורט, מאמן חדש למכבי חיפה בכדורגל הסרבי אלכסנדר סטנויביץ' סיכם את תנאיו בקבוצה, והוא יחליף את אריק בנאדו בתום העונה. בביתר ירושלים, תגובה ראשונה של הבעלים אלי תביב לשביתת שחקני הקבוצה. כתבנו... ראוי לוינגר. לא איימתי על אף אחד וגם לא איש מטעמי, כך אומר אלי תביב, כתגובה לטענות של שחקני בית"ר ירושלים. אבירם ברוכיאן הושעה בגלל הכרטיס האדום שספג במשחק האחרון, ובנוסף הבטחתי לקפטן הקבוצה, ארוש, שהשחקנים יקבלו את המשכורת שלהם. למרות כל הדברים האלו, השחקנים החליטו להתאגד, הציבו אולטימטום, והיום הדברים יצאו מכל פרופורציה, כשהם החליטו להשבית את האימון, דבר שהשאיר אותי עמום, דברי תביב. התחזית בצהריים הטמפרטורות ירדו וייתכן אובך בדרום. אלה החדשות שעורך הדר שיפר בצוות, שירה הראל ואבי כהן.
rain would pour. Lady always kept a smile, wiped the tears away. Nothing could ever keep him down when he'd start to say, It's Shabbos now, Shabbos now, I know he'll see now.
J.M. and the A.M., a uh, selection that Ari Boyandrew calls home for Shabbos off of the Rosh Hashmurot album here at J.M. and the A.M. Eighth day with its Shabbos now. We heard them do that live in Cape Coral, Florida last Thursday night. Great live version of its Shabbos now. Eighth day here at J.M. and the A.M. And before that, the great Chazen Yitzchak Mayer Helfgott with Yismachu off of the CD entitled Eternal Echoes here at JM and the AM. Friday morning, 10th day in the counting of the Omer, Erev Shabbos, Parshas Kedoshim, with candlelighting at 726, Yom HaShoah observance on Monday. Wednesday, we'll be down at Norpak, celebrating Norpak 1000. I, I, I know that as of yesterday afternoon, they were this close. I'm talking about maybe 10 people away from hitting their 1000 registrant. Now, I strongly suggest for those of you who've been thinking about going, and participating with NORPAC in an amazing day of lobbying down in Washington, go to the website now, because I believe that registration deadline is going to end very, very soon, maybe as early as today. Go to NORPAC.net, N-O-R-P-A-C.net. No matter how old or young you may be, you can participate, and in this case, be part of history, as they um, are making a real effort to get to 1,000 participants for this coming Wednesday. We'll be down in Washington Wednesday morning, between 6 and 9, presenting JM and the AM from there in celebration of this remarkable achievement. Partly cloudy with a high temperature of 61. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh ER will be Wednesday and Thursday. We'll start saying Pirkei Avos uh, this coming Shabbos afternoon. We'll start with Chapter 1 of Ethics of the Fathers. That is a beautiful custom. If you're not familiar with it, consult with your local rabbi. Speaking of rabbi, Rabbi Yudin will join us coming up at 8.15. Malcolm Honline. Just about 20, uh, maybe 25 minutes from now, the weekly update with a lot going on over the last couple of weeks to discuss. He'll join us. Uh, that'll happen at 7.40 this morning right here at JM in the AM. That should be a, a very, very interesting conversation because so much has gone on over the last couple of weeks. Welcome back. If you're just uh, in the area again after a wonderful Pesach vacation, we say welcome back to you. If you're just able to tune in for the first time since Pesach vacation, we say welcome back to you. We'll be drifting into our Sphira format next week after Rosh Chodesh ER, where we slow down the music here at JM and the AM. That, of course, will remain until Lagba Omer on the 18th of May, when we'll uh, uh, get back to a regular format, so to speak. Meanwhile, amazing programming all through the day at jmnam.org including today when Naomi Nachman takes over at 9 a.m. with an amazing encore edition of Table for Two. And then courtesy of our friends at Kedem, an incredible Erev Shabbos music mix starts at 10 a.m. and goes all the way until candle lighting time. There is no better way to prepare for Shabbos than with our Erev Shabbos music mix. We highly recommend it. Make sure whether it's uh, on our telephone uh, listen line or whether it's uh, through the app or through uh, through the website, your laptop, whatever the case may be, Make sure to be tuned in at some point today to get into the spirit of Shabbos as we get ready for a Schlissel Chala Shabbos. You familiar with that? A lot of people uh, consider this a key Shabbos of the year. If you're not familiar with that, consult with your local rabbi. And I'd like to hear that explanation, by the way. After, after your rabbi tells you about it, let me know what the rabbi said. I'm very, very curious. Usher, Sharf, and Sons next at JM in the AM.
Amen. 
J.M. a great medley from Benny Friedman off of his uh, CD entitled uh, B'nai Hechala, a Shabbos with Benny Friedman. God Elbaz before that with La Olam Va'ed, which we know as Hashem Melech. And the Usher Sharf and Sons had Yom Zeh from the Shabbos Sumiro. 7.35, good morning. It's Friday at J.M. and the A.M. Reminder, this coming Sunday, an important rally in New York City, the Holocaust Remembrance Rally will take place at 11.30 a.m. Sunday in front of the U.N. Iranian Mission, 3rd Avenue and East 40th Street in New York City. Again, it's a Holocaust Remembrance Rally this coming Sunday at 11.30 a.m. in front of the U.N. Iranian Mission. That is Sunday, which traditionally is observed as Yom HaShoah, the 27th of Nisan, but because in Israel they don't want Yom HaShoah to begin on Shabbos, meaning uh, Saturday night when many would uh, start the observances on Shabbos, so it gets pushed a day, and the observance will take place Sunday night and uh, Monday, including here Monday morning. Anyway, the rally is Sunday, 11.30 a.m. in front of the UN-Iranian Mission, 3rd Avenue, East 40th Street in New York City. As we told you yesterday, the 71st anniversary Warsaw Ghetto Uprising, Yom HaShoah Memorial Day observance will take place this Sunday uh, courtesy of the Jewish Federation of Northern New Jersey and the Jewish Community Relations Council at Shomrei Torah on Hinchman Avenue in Wayne, New Jersey. The photo exhibit that Edwin Black discussed yesterday on our show will start at 2.30 p.m., the program at 3 p.m. Uh, Edwin Black is the speaker. He's the award-winning New York Times investigative author of IBM 
and the Holocaust. Information, uh, area code 201-873-3263. You can go, by the way, to edwinblack.com. There's information about his books, including the most recent one entitled Financing the Flames. So that's uh, part of what's happening this weekend and part of the Yom HaShoah observances that are taking place in our area. And we encourage people to attend them and to uh, participate. Uh, Wednesday on this radio program, we'll be down in Washington, D.C., celebrating NORPAC 1000. It looks like, and if they don't do it, they're going to come awfully, awfully close. In fact, <laughs> myself and ZK might just round out the 1000. Um, this coming Wednesday, uh, we celebrate with NORPAC an amazing accomplishment of uh, getting up to one thousand registrants for their lobby trip to israel which this year is taking place on april the 30th on wednesday in fact if you're listening to my voice there's a good chance you're part of the group uh part of the 1000 that's heading down on wednesday morning to washington so we'll be broadcasting from dc from 6 till 9 a.m on wednesday go to norpac.net for information n-o-r-p-a-c.net and a reminder that if you still want to register today and possibly be the 1,000th registrant, you could do so. Norpac.net. I don't know about after today. That I'm not sure. But you can go to the web right now, N-O-R-P-A-C.net, uh, for all the information. A reminder, the um, the um, gathering entitled Sacred Lives um, it presents Summer Safety Number 3. It invites camp directors, administrators, learning directors, head staff, head counselors, doctors, and nurses to an event this Sunday at the Flatbush Hatzalah Building in Brooklyn, New York, on the topic of creating a culture of safety. Creating a culture of safety. Um, the guest speaker will be Norman Friedman who's presented at workshops and seminars at many ACA regional and national conferences and visited more than 150 camps as a staff training specialist. For information about all of this, you can go to sacredlives.org, sacredlives.org, or dial 201-919-6365. That's 201-919-6365 for information. Um, that's happening Sunday at the Flatbush Hatzalah Building in Brooklyn, New York. An important event. 20 minutes before 8 o'clock, Malcolm Honeline next with our weekly update. Many uh, issues to explore from the last couple of weeks that will all be coming up if you keep it right here at JM in the AM. And um, I remind you, we have an amazing, really amazing uh, uh, programming all through the weekend. Our jmtheam.org stream will be... Uh, Going at the full power today with amazing uh, Erev Shabbos selection, so make sure to be tuned in at jmnam.org. Avrami hosts Saturday Night Siegel tomorrow night starting at 10 p.m. Eastern Time, and Matis hosts JM Sunday starting at 7 a.m. Eastern Time this coming Sunday right here at JM in the AM.
J.M. and the A.M., that is a Yossi Green, a uh, segment he entitled The Shades of Yiddish, off of the Hipsh CD here at J.M. and the A.M. Quarter before 8 o'clock on a Friday, day 10 in the counting of the Omer. If you forgot to count last night, make sure to do so sometime today. It's Erev Shabbos, Parshas Kedoshim. Candle lighting 726. Many synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are. And uh, Rosh Chodesh E.R. will bench Rosh Chodesh E.R. tomorrow. And um, that will be a two-day Rosh Chodesh, Wednesday and Thursday. Wednesday and Thursday, Rosh Chodesh ER. Reminder from JM in the AM. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Joins us for the weekly update here at JM in the AM. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you. It feels like a, a long time. I hope you had a good Chag and everybody had a wonderful Yantif. Uh, 
The Chag was wonderful. It was very difficult to go into Shabbos Cholamoy, not having spoken to you. I thought you'd at least uh, leave me a voicemail or give me some update on what's happening in this world, something. I, I was being treated for withdrawal symptoms, so I couldn't <laughs> take any phone calls. Oh, I didn't realize you'd miss it as much as I did. Wow, that's so nice. Very sweet of you. Uh, I'll tell you, there are so many stories that have gone on over the last couple of weeks that uh, many people are so curious about, and frankly... Many people are fearful about. I start, of course, with the leaflets that were distributed in the eastern Ukraine uh, telling Jews to register with a self-proclaimed local authority or face consequences. And these uh, uh, leaflets, of course, which uh, harken back to uh, an era and a place that was uh, uh, not a pleasant one in Jewish history, uh, has instilled great fear, not only in the Ukrainian community, although I can only imagine what Jews there are going through, but I'm sure even you and others here in the United States, including myself, felt a shudder when we heard about Jewish registration. Tell us about this procedure introduced by authorities in the eastern part of the Ukraine. Well, this was not uh, the authorities who instituted it. It was a rogue group that... Uh, uh, various people have associated with either the Russians as a provocation or pro-Russian forces, uh, Ukrainian extremists. Uh, others said uh, said that it was provocation, even maybe by the Ukrainian government, in order to evoke a response against the Russians and against the situation. But there are all sorts of provocations going on. This had nothing to do with the government. The government denounced it. The prime minister made a very strong speech about it. In fact, I'm meeting with top Ukrainian officials this morning. Uh, again, who, who are coming to, to explain their position that this was not their doing. The fact is that it's a chaotic situation. The police are, are stretching. They, they don't respond to things because they're, you know, being border police at one time and the, and the criminal police and dealing with the protecting uh, buildings against uh, potential occupation, and as has taken place in many locations. So this got hyped um, as uh, as being targeted to Jews, but in fact, the groups did the same thing on college campuses against foreign students, against other ethnic groups. Uh, it was a matter of concern. It tells you how tense the situation is and how uh, the the locals, the, the Jewish community there, uh, is on edge and and the tension and the experience that they had walking out of synagogue, a few dozen people and facing armed men with masks handing out these leaflets telling them to, to go and register. All right, so what, what, what the, I understand those who say it, it could be, you know, Ukrainian officials who want to blame the Russians or assign blame in that direction, but what would be the, it, it, was there a Russian response? Was there a, because it, it was painted as if, you know, Russian authorities approved of all this. Uh, did, did Russia respond to this? Aside from the prime minister of the Ukraine, well, the the Russians uh, are are pointing to all these incidents, and the the belief was that they're looking for a pretext to be able to go in and say that you see the Ukrainian government is not capable of handling uh, the situation, or that Russian speaking peoples, or it's a cultural war as much as it is a political war in the Ukraine. Uh, that uh, you know, and that they come in as the defenders. The, the, I think more people believe today that the Russians are not about to invade, that the economic consequences for them would be very great. You know, Russia's economy, it, it gross domestic product, is equal to Italy. It is not uh, the great power that that uh, Putin has successfully projected. 
I think they they he, he's taken bold steps. He's he's not just doing it there; it's in other areas. I know leaders from uh, countries that were in the former Soviet Union who have expressed to us over the last two years their concerns, and even longer perhaps, uh, their concerns about this and uh, the the desire of Putin to reestablish the former Soviet Union or at least their sphere of influence. Uh, so this has become a serious challenge. They, the sanctions hurt uh, uh, Russia, but 50, more than 50% of their income is from the oil that they export, gas and energy, which uh, actually can't right now be replaced. And there has to be long-term thinking about how you, you take away this leverage. Um, but beyond that, they, they export very little. So the economic sanctions can have an impact and an impact on the people where the stagnation of the economy has had an impact on unemployment, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So he, he has to look about how far he can stretch it. Right now, his popularity has soared. Putin's popularity has soared as a result of this uh, aggressiveness and, and reassertion of you know, Russian pride and Russian... Uh, um, you know, the former Russian stance. Right. So with Yom HaShoah approaching especially, it may be uh, good to analyze this for a moment. So while at other times in history, countries or administrations or presidents or chancellors or leaders proudly proclaimed that Jews must either register or they would take certain actions against Jews or whatever, you know, fill in the blank however you wish against Jews, and they went ahead and did this with pride, now... We see a case here, based on what you're telling us, where both sides are trying to lay the blame on the other because they wouldn't want worldwide opinion to think that they are the ones who are bringing sanctions or anything else against the Jewish community. Absolutely, and they, they, and again, the ulterior motives that it's provocations, not just directed in this instance. You know, there were a limited number of anti-Semitic incidents, but we know from the past that there is a an undercurrent. And that the rise of, of some of the extremist parties has been a matter of concern as well, but there there is not the kind of broad-based anti-Semitic uh, actions, uh, even in the wake of the instability of the of the change, the fall of government, the change in government uh, in the in the recent months. How many thousands of Jews have you told us are in the Ukraine? I forget the number. Around approximately. The, no, you know, that's exactly the answer. It's around approximately something, but nobody knows for sure. So could it be 10, could it be? 100 and 300,000. Oh, it could, it, it could be over 100,000. It is definitely over 100,000. 17,000 Jews, they estimate, in the Crimea alone. So even over the holiday, you're in touch with leadership there in the Jewish community. How'd they respond to this? Did, did anybody register? Did anybody take it seriously? No, no. People, well, there, well, there was no place to register, and it wasn't a governmental thing, and it was immediately. Right. Uh, Were you happy with the way that Secretary of State Kerry reacted to the story when it came out? Well, they issued a very strong statement, and I think he used the word repugnant, if I'm not mistaken, and uh, so did other European leaders uh, respond to it, and uh, I think the administration was uh, right on it. I know the American ambassador uh, also was was involved. Uh, you know, there have to be clear markers, and it has to come from Europe and the United States, saying that we're not going to tolerate any kind of actions of this kind. So the next couple of weeks are going to be very critical, you would say, in this situation, or it's basically going to be a stalemate for a while? Well, it depends on what, what Putin's real goal. A lot of people feel he's not going to move into to the Ukraine, although he has troops and satellites show there are a lot of Russian troops along the border. If if there is some sort of uh, an explosion, uh, I think likely he could 
move in under the guise of being a peacekeeping force, so-called, or something like that. Uh, but he knows that the, 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 that the reaction in Europe and the United States will be very strong. The problem is that the West has no credibility with anybody, you know, that, that we're really determined to make, to go all the way and to do whatever is necessary. You know, we've sent some troops, the United States has sent troops to certain critical locations, but you're talking about 150 uh, men being sent to different uh, locations as a presence, which is fine, and we're not looking to see a hot war between the East and West in this, but we are seeing ourselves moving back towards the Cold War. Right. I, I I tend not to uh, get into my philosophical rant until later in these discussions, so excuse me for a moment, but as you sat down to the Seder uh, at, uh, on, uh, you know, on Monday night and... Uh, uh, we thank God are in the lap of luxury, whether one's in, uh, you know, lucky enough to be in a hotel or lucky enough to be in, at free, in freedom at home, whatever the case may be. Um, uh, we're, we're all in the lap of luxury, relatively speaking, compared to other areas of the world. Did you sit down to that Seder and say to yourself, my God, how lucky we are because Jews in so many places on this globe are sitting down in a very precarious situation tonight? Uh, absolutely, and I, I made a point in one of my speeches over Yontif that, you know, when you read the Megillah, the mitzvah is to not to see it just as something that happened a thousand years ago, but you have to look at it as a contemporary document. The same thing, I think, with the Seder, that you have to understand its contemporary significance. That's why they use the present tense in the Haggadah. The enemies that arose, behold, over there. It uses the present tense to remind us that the enemies of old are present today. And I can't believe that anybody, with all of the events that took place uh, during Yantiv, and especially this one provocation before people knew how serious it was, didn't think back to, as you, as you mentioned earlier, to other days in that country and in others, and not think that, uh, you know, uh, Rakov Kamenetsky once uh, pointed out, I believe it was him, as it's all that he said that... Um, that the behold of it wasn't there any generation that didn't face it? And he said, you have to look at the next paragraph, Teilumad, in the Haggadah, the next paragraph, which describes Lavan's, uh, uh, Bikesh I called it, Lavan wanted to destroy everything. And that he said, when Yaakov Avinu, Jacob, our forefather, thought he was living in relative quiet, and at all the time there was the plots going on. So he said, even in the generations, when you don't have it overtly, that the Jews are under threat to just understand mm. uh, those who are plotting. And we see this now in so many places, the the unrest, and while Israel's position can be relatively strong, and et cetera, we see the, the attempts to demonize and delegitimize Israel growing every day. Uh, I just saw yesterday that $17.5 million was allocated by Denmark, Sweden, Holland, for lawfare against the state of Israel by wow. governments. Wow. Unbelievable. Um, I appreciate you including what you just said in this discussion. It shows the uniqueness of our conversation. Very, very few other uh, public places acknowledge the role of Jewish history in all of this. Uh, you mentioned different things that happened over the, um, uh, over the last couple of weeks, and we will get to NYU yesterday. Uh, there, there are students in this audience who want to make sure we get to it. Uh, but let's start, um, uh, locally or more domestically with Kansas. Uh, we see a, um, uh, a shooter go, murder three people, obviously was intending uh, to murder Jews, went into a Jewish location uh, to do so, and uh, we find out some interesting things about this shooter at this point. Uh, I mean, 
I guess the first thing to come to mind is something you've been saying to us for years, is that you can't let your guard down. This is not to suggest that anybody in Kansas was was lax when it comes to security in Jewish public places, but uh, uh, the the vigilance that one must take at this point and realize how we have you know enemies living next door is uh, is, is just more and more obvious at this point. And and look at this guy's uh, alleged neo-Nazi clan, other associations. That this is not a lone guy who doesn't have other people uh, who share his belief. Even the mayor of the town said that he, you know, made complimentary or, or almost supportive comments, and it became an issue of, uh, of debate. And the real danger is that people respond during the days after an incident. But it can't be just now. This is going to happen. It happens at different times in different places. We have set up the secure community network people go to the website scnus.org you'll find all sorts of advice things that can be done free they will help you we we are begging places we've hold, held um, conference calls across the country with hundreds of uh, people representing institutions and organizations security uh, chiefs of of uh, campuses of jewish you know uh, jewish centers and others around the country the need is so great i understand it's a financial burden but this is so essential because you're going to look back afterwards and say what did we do you can't prevent everything but you can deter and in this case they did have uh, security and our people went out there and uh, are working with the federation through the uh, local Jewish JCC etc but we saw that in Los Angeles we've seen it in, uh, in Seattle unfortunately you had fatalities in various places People can't become lax, and it's not just Arab Yantin right before a holiday, right. and the police are more activated and everybody more active. It's got to be year-round. Yeah, no question about it. And it's funny because, uh, maybe that's the wrong word, but um, you know, parents um, and others associated with schools often react that you know maybe schools and institutions are overreacting or are you know taking unnecessary precautions or spending a budget unnecessarily. You would say there's no such thing. You got to go to every degree possible to uh, to secure our sites. Absolutely, and you know how many years I keep pushing this idea that they do in England of having right. parents to sign up to do one day guard duty throughout the year, one day, right. half a day, if there are enough children. Uh, Malcolm Holine is with us. This is America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial and around the world on the web, jmtheam.org. Yom HaShoah observance is Monday. Wednesday, we're in Washington, D.C. as we celebrate NORPAC 1000 as they are this close to getting their 1,000th registrant, a significant number and an amazing accomplishment for this coming Wednesday's uh, mission to Washington. An NYU dorm, I'm referring to NYU in downtown Manhattan, for those of you tuned in around the world who may not be familiar with the geography, this happened uh, right in the middle of um, of New York City. An NYU dorm known for its large Jewish population was papered with fake eviction notices that aimed to draw attention to the, quote, reality Palestinians confront on an ongoing basis. Students found the flyers at Palladium Hall Thursday morning. Um, the flyers have left students feeling uncomfortable and targeted according to a student who broke the news of the flyers on the Times of Israel website on Thursday morning. I emphasize that this happened in New York City, Malcolm. You would think that the the campus wars 
are more difficult to fight in areas outside of New York for obvious reasons. But right here at uh, NYU in New York City, uh, the BDS movement, I guess, is as active as ever. Are there any type of, I don't know, legal responses to actions like this or any type of disciplinary action that officials at a place like NYU can take when this type of uncomfortable activity is targeted at certain students? Absolutely. And they have to demand that the administration act against those responsible. This is something that's happened in Michigan. It's happened in other places. It's a tactic of the you know, pro-Arab, pro-Palestinian, anti-Israel elements they use different guises, but bottom line, we see ultimately the hints of anti-Semitism and Jew hatred in, in a lot of these activities. By the way, one of the sentences in the eviction notice reads, and I quote, Eviction notices are routinely given to Palestinian families living under Israeli occupation for no other reason than their ethnicity. Could you analyze the accuracy of that statement? Well, of course, it's not true. Uh, I mean, are there cases when they are expelled from illegal uh, buildings, but very rarely actually, even uh, uh, proportionately more Jews are evicted and housing permits uh, denied or housing construction stopped because people and, and, and the Arabs, Palestinians, build tens of thousands of units every year, but you don't hear about it and people don't write about it. But uh, I want to go back to the essence of this uh, effort yeah. that, I mean, can you imagine if this had been done to another ethnic group on the basis of, uh, of any political issue. And there would be such an uproar. And there has to be constant pressure, and universities have to be held to account. No one can prevent students from, from engaging in this kind of activity, but you can hold people to account for it. We can, in the same way that they would do diversity training or you know, sensitivity training uh, about this, uh, if it were in other instances or circumstances, there's got to be constant pressure, and we have the Lawfare Project, which is providing support to students and providing, um, taking legal action in many instances, uh, not just with students, but against the BDS movement and against uh, those who try to use the law or hide behind the guise of academic freedom. This is not academic freedom. And to intimidate, to threaten, to create this kind of uh, atmosphere of hostility would be absolutely uh, uh, unacceptable in any other circumstance, and it has to be in this regard as well. So, not limiting freedom of speech as some say. So why, uh, why are people, myself included, uh, why are other, I don't know, why are, why are leaders in the Jewish community, what is it, we're immune to this? Like we just, it, we're, we're so used to it that we, 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 we sort of subconsciously feel there's no need or it's worthless to respond to it because as you just said you know we, we, we there should be complete outrage the newspapers and uh, and internet should be filled with press conferences and meetings this morning uh, across the board from all members of the jewish community well the first thing is when it comes to academic uh, settings the students often don't want outside interference they want to handle it themselves they want to uh, they don't want to you know continue to focus attention and there are many people who actually believe that it is the more prudent approach mm. in some of these instances uh, not to, to give uh, added visibility, but, but the overall response, and, and your point is so important, because that, true too, is a lesson of the history, is that we become so used to things that we would have been outraged about a few years ago. We keep raising the bar on what we will tolerate, and we have to stop. We have to respond to it. We have to, to react to it. 
whether it's in a college campus, whether it's a governmental uh, government spokesman, whether it's a guy in Kansas, whether it's you know the United Nations putting Iran in charge of the Committee on Rights of Women and on NGOs and electing Sudan and Cuba, all these bodies that are going to countries that are just going to use it as a platform to continue to condemn Israel, or the applications now the Palestinians to these. 16 eight, um, conventions, which will become automatically accepted in a few days, and then 48 more agencies, and, and you know we're creating a new reality. They walk away from the talks. They go sit down with Hamas, which continues to to uh, call for the destruction of Israel, and said we're not going to change our position, not on violence, not on non-recognition. And the Secretary General UN says, well, we we met with them and. You know, the, uh, Abbas is still in control, so we're okay. <laughs> Other Europeans not reacting at all. The, I mean, this, this should evoke outrage when Hamas, which is recognized by the world, and the United States included, in, as a terrorist organization. And, and uh, Abbas, uh, Eric Hart said they're not, they never were, they never will be, maybe they are, but we didn't see it. They're not a terrorist group. It's, you know, it's a mockery. But and there's so many things, so it's hard to you can't respond to right. everything when there are so many different things happening at the same time. And we'll talk about uh, more about that peace process and American reaction to this whole thing in a moment. But may, maybe that's the addition to what you said earlier. Omdim aleinu lechalosenu, and maybe that's why Hakadosh Baruch Hu matzileinu miyadam because because human beings incapable. Exactly. we're 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 so we're so beaten over the head over all these centuries that only God could step in and and take the action as if it's something that just occurred. And by the way, to my beloved audience on this topic of speaking up, there is a rally this coming Sunday at eleven thirty in the morning a Holocaust Remembrance Rally in front of the U.N. Iranian Mission, 3rd Avenue, East 40th Street in New York City. Everybody is encouraged to be there. Again, a Holocaust Remembrance Rally, 1130 this coming Sunday morning in front of the U.N. Iranian Mission. That's 3rd Avenue, East 40th Street in New York City. All right, so so what is it? It's an official Fatah-Hamas merger acknowledgement of uh, the greatness of each group. What, what exactly happened this week? No one's sure what exactly happened. What is sure is that the United States and the West were caught completely off guard, despite the fact that we have a team still working on the ground, and they met with him the day before, and he, Abbas has been raising the demands. Uh, you notice also how the effort to, to try and pin this on Israel, uh, when in fact the United States has spoken out against it, uh, so have other countries uh, pointing to the fact that this is uh, Israel can't be expected to negotiate with uh, with parties that don't recognize the right exists and threaten violence and expressing disappointment to Abbas. But he snookered him. He just went and made this move. Whether in fact this will be consummated is a very big question. Whether the the marriage of of uh, the Palestine the PA the Fatah Authority and the Hamas can actually be be carried out, but the the chutzpah of it and the the effort. Now there are, could be a couple of motivations. One financial that maybe they want to buy into the sources of support, Qatar, Iran, for the Hamas. Hamas's condition is terrible. Their their economic conditions are awful. They uh, the Egyptians have successfully closed a lot of the tunnels. They they've been acting against uh, their smuggling of weapons. Uh, the Al Sisi. Uh, uh, government, the, the government of the generals has been uh, relatively uh, very effective, in fact, 
uh, in ways that the, the previous governments weren't. And the, um, you know, the, the questions that he had raised, that he wanted a freeze on settlements, a, a release of prisoners, he wants to focus only on borders, these were all demands that he had been making all along, knowing that these things would not work. And he, he wanted to bring in the Russians as, as interlocutors instead of just not to the United States. Um, has Israel suspended talks? Israel has uh, walked away from, has announced that it would suspend its participation in the talks. At 7 a.m.? Uh, and there's no expectation. How could, you say, how could they sit with, uh, with a, a potential government? And that would make, by the way, the whole, whole regime, the West Bank regime and the Gaza regime together, if merged, um, as subject to sanctions. It means U.S. aid would have to be cut off. That is the law. Congress, I can tell you, is is uh, very angry, have been all along, but uh, and I think would support cutting off aid and holding uh, the Palestinians to, to U.S. law and, and even maybe the administration, forcing administration's hand in this regard. By the way, another topic for people to keep in mind if they're heading to Washington this coming week, that uh, members of Congress need to be supported on that, right? They have to be encouraged. Absolutely have to be told, and this is, this is I mean, they've crossed so many red lines, and we've already erased the red lines in so many ways, and Red lines became pink lines and then yellow lines. Uh, I think that the, 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 this is really such a, a blatant thing. And they and they in the PA blogs they're threatening Egypt, they're threatening other Arabs if they don't come and support them and and uh, asking for money to make up the potential deficit. And, and if I could say one other thing, I just I forgot in regard to your earlier point about the expulsions that they refer to. You know, a study that was just done and released over Yantav showed that the Arab population in Jerusalem has doubled in the last 20 years. Hmm. And in fact, in the growth of population, that Yerushalayim now has a population, I think, of 815,000, the bigger growth is in the Arab sector than in the Jewish sector. And and at the same time, they're talking about how they're being expelled or, <laughs> or being thrown out of the... Uh, Unbelievable. Um at 7 a.m. this morning, we had a news report from Israel on the air, and in it was a quote from President Obama. We have not seen the will to make tough decisions. He, of course, was referring to the suspension of talks with the PA, and uh, I guess that was his general analysis of the situation in the Middle East. Now, to, to, it, it seems to me that this is what you're referring to when you say laying the blame on Israel, because how much more could Israel possibly have offered the PA at these negotiating sessions? And yet, even the President of the United States equates them to the PA in terms of uh, you know, lack of desire to make concessions and make tough decisions. So, I think the the uh, the point you're making is very important. That in, initially we saw the reaction. I mean, obviously, this is such a blatant move. We know that the uh, Abbas has. Constantly raise the demands, and that's why I cited the comments before to show that this is a pattern. It's not just this act; it's been a constant pattern. And Ari Shavit, who, who certainly no right winger, uh, the Israeli journalist who just wrote a best-selling book uh, about the, about Israel that you know people right center criticized, and he writes about why we shouldn't be surprised by Abbas's refusal. He said, well, "You know, we went to." When Omer came with proposals, we went behind them, and they said no. When uh, when when Barack came with the proposals and offered them everything, they said no. And he goes back to to Balin's proposals and others, and said they constantly said no. So why should you be surprised? But we see then the reversion all the time. 
to this even-handedness of having to say both sides weren't helpful, the BB with settlements and this and that. They don't tell the truth about that. this last announcement, for instance, wasn't about building. It was about zoning, and it was about Gilo, in, in, which is part of, of Jerusalem. And all of that within the areas that were, were by consensus, going to be part of, of Israel in, the, in a settlement. Uh, so this, oh, this constant effort to always lay equal blame. There has to be a clear statement that the Palestinians went and made common cause now, or trying to make common cause with Hamas. Again, I am a big skeptic about whether it will actually, uh, how far it will actually go. And, um, and as far as I know in the community, the response has been, uh, by across the board, uh, one of, of uh, being very upset and, and critical of, of uh, the Palestinian move. I'm sure you heard about the terror attack, uh... Erev Yantif, the, fa- the family traveling from Modi'in to Kiryat Arba. Uh, Mr. Mizrahi, who was killed. In, you know, it was a horrific tale. I always ask you this, and I don't even know if there's a way to, you know, accurately describe it. I mean, it, I, we're always curious, for whatever reason, is this, are these isolated incidents? Are they coordinated incidents? Is there, you know, is there a big umbrella organization that sends out people to carry out these murders, uh, what would you say? I would say that there is uh, both. Uh, you can have isolated incidents, but you also have a pattern, especially at this location, uh, where we've had shootings before. And here it wasn't a single individual, and they had weapons, and this was clearly a planned attack, uh, whether the uh, not directed at this particular victim, I think. I think they were going to get somebody before Yantiv, and they know that it's a very sensitive time in that Jews travel. And, um, and people, you know, have to go to other visit other people's homes for the holiday. So it is yes, there is um, some system to it, but it can be long practitioners actually carrying out these attacks. And what about other attacks? I read on the Jerusalem Post website about uh, stabbings over the last few days. Are those in the category of terror attacks? Uh, you know, crimes in Israel, like what well, Once you create this atmosphere of permissiveness, when you have the incitement, like yelling, Al-Aqsa is in danger, meaning the Temple Mount, the Harabayat, um, this, we've seen the provocations there over the last couple of weeks because they're trying to create an international incident. They, they attacked the, through stones on the people coming to pray on, on the holiday at the Kotel. Um, the, this is a, an intentional provocation. This is meant to excite the Muslim world. Abbas constantly goes reverts back to this charge, you know, that it's in danger, not only he but other officials of the PA. And, it, and they know that there's nothing that triggers a greater response uh, from the streets. And then you have the people rush to the, to the Temple Mount. And uh, as you know, Jews are limited in, in their access, and the Israeli government is, is, is bending over to the point of cracking to be sensitive and... Uh, and punishing the Israelis, the Jewish Israelis who who want to go up there because they limit the, their their access, uh, because nobody wants to see you know this, this uh, explosion there. But the they they stopped, piled up stones for many days before, so this was not spontaneous. This was planned, and uh, and Israel tries to to limit the the number of people of Arabs going up there because it becomes uncontrollable. And they try not to have kids who, who will engage in the kind of stone throwing, but they, they threw yesterday stones on kids. And we had incidents at, 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 at Harazetim, at the cemetery, where 
an American family was trying to to go to the funeral of their father and uh, were were attacked. The woman uh, suffered shock. There, they they attacked the the car. It, it disabled it actually, and uh, masked the group that that came in. It wasn't just one incident again of that. So. You know, the, the, there has to be a crackdown, but if you have a crackdown when you try to restore law and order, as you would in any city, then the international community comes down on, on Israel rather than on those perpetrating these crimes. Oh, no question about that. Uh, Yom HaShoah this coming um, uh, Monday. I mean, it's Sunday's the 27th of Nisan, but as we've discussed many times, it's postponed in this situation until Sunday night. And Monday we are getting closer to the 100th anniversary of World War II than... Uh, than to World War II itself. And uh, growing up, uh, I uh, always remember, and I'm sure you remember this even better than me, uh, the warnings that soon the survivors would no longer be with us. Uh, there, there's something to the fact of living through that era as we see less and less people who are actually there and saw the horrors and, horrors and experienced the horrors of World War II. Um, maybe the most significant effort since um, since the Holocaust was the incredible work that was done to get everything down on film to make sure survivors testimonies would live on forever uh maybe at schindler's list as just you know just one example of uh something being produced that had an impact worldwide and hopefully will continue to have for generations that might be the most important thing in terms of keeping the memory alive and and the revelations the continuing revelations everybody thinks we know everything about the shoah how could you not? Seventy years later, how could they keep hiding? And yet, constantly, critical factors are coming in, into are being exposed uh, facts that people were not aware of. Just in the last couple of days, a group, uh, because of the efforts of some students in Holland and Amsterdam doing research, young, young people came across information that Amsterdam the officials in Amsterdam find Holocaust victims. Remember that that 75% of Dutch Jewry was killed, mm. and they found out that they charged them 10 million dollars in fines, or uh, for, for or taxes for their uh, housing when they were in concentration camps, and much of their housing was used by Nazis and by others. Um, but they charged them these exorbitant fees, uh, outrageous fees, just in principle. For the time they were in concentration camps, or, or worse, um, and returned, were hit with these taxes. So now the mayor of Amsterdam is suggesting, you know, that the money be re- repaid to them. Uh, most of them are not alive, uh, and and there's constant revelations that, you know, the the New York Times report that there were 42,000 labor camps, concentration camps, all kinds of inst- installations of, of Europe, of uh, Germany in Europe which just always emphasizes and magnifies the fact that those who say they didn't know, these, these institutions were everywhere. Everybody saw them, and they continued to try to live the lie. Unbelievable. Something to remember as we uh, again commemorate Yom HaShoah uh, in observances both Sunday and Monday. Um, Can I say one thing that I think people, I don't know how many people saw this. It was a little story about a unit in the Israeli army called 9900, which is made up of autistic young people who they found have extraordinary skills in reading satellite images and maps or or, um, drone images, and that they can see what other people can't see. And not only that, they have unique analytical abilities, and they keep expanding 
this unit of uh, within the Israeli army. And I, I just, you know, people, things like this, which is such an incredible story, and the, the fact that, you know, in the Knesset there are 32 autistic young people, and I saw reaction of, of movie stars who unfortunately have the children with the autism, who were so blown away by the way Israel handles this uh, and said no words in the world. And, the, you know, as we come closer to Omar Smith and stuff, there's times we've got to stand back and stop taking it all for granted and, and tell the true story uh, of what Israel is doing, you know, that Japan is coming there to build floating desalination plants. Tourism from China went up 30% in the last year. The Chinese uh, are becoming, and Asians are be- replacing the United States as the number one trading partner. Everybody wants these countries are getting into Israel, the Africans and so many others, that we also have to tell that part of the story and be reminded of it. Phenomenal. Malcolm, excellent. We'll reconvene. You're around next week, right? God willing. We'll reconvene, please, God, next week. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Friday morning broadcast, JM in the AM at 22 minutes after 8 o'clock. Uh, don't forget, again, a rally this coming Sunday at 11.30 in the morning at the Iranian Mission, uh, 3rd Avenue, East 40th Street in New York City. Monday, we'll commemorate Yom HaShoah. Wednesday, we are anticipating an amazing, amazing celebration in Washington, D.C. NORPAC 1000. I don't know how many people are on the first NORPAC mission, but I can tell you there'll be right around 1,000 on the 2014 edition of the NORPAC mission. We'll be there in Washington, D.C. Wednesday morning to celebrate as the entire group uh, converges on the nation's capital uh, as we're broadcasting. They'll be on the buses and uh, all the different modes of transportation as we are broadcasting on Wednesday morning from Washington, D.C. If you're part of the mission, I look forward to seeing you after the show at uh, one of the big gatherings that will be taking place that day uh, once you arrive in Washington. Information, if you want to be the 1,000th, go to norpac.net, N-O-R-P-A-C.net. This time each and every Friday, every Erev Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Uden, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Uden. Good morning, Nachum. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Kedoshim. Parshas Kedoshim, according to the Chinuch, contains 51 mitzvos, 13 positive mitzvos, and 38 what we call negative mitzvos. I'd like to call your attention to the very second pasuk of the Parsha, whereby the Torah has the introduction, Taber, Akol Adas B'nei Yisrael. Hashem says to Moshe that he should speak to the entire assembly of the children of Israel, and beginning with the charge of Kedoshim Tiyu, that you are to be holy, he then goes on to enumerate the 51 mitzvos in this week's parsha. Now, just be aware that this Kriyas HaTorah, this parsha of Kedoshim, is a deviation from the norm. The Gemara in Erevin, Daf Nun Dalid, Amid Beis, teaches that ordinarily there was a Seder, there was a prescribed order as to how 
Jewish law was taught to the masses. It began with Moshe receiving a mitzvah from God. He then transmitted it to Aaron. He then called in Aaron's two sons, and he transmitted it again to Aaron's two sons in the presence of Aaron. They sat down with their uncle and their father. The elders then came in, the Zakanim, the leaders of the different tribes came in, and Moshe taught it again to Aaron and his sons and the Zakanim, and then it was taught to the nation. Here we have a deviation from this. And what you are told, according to the opening Rashi, that the reason why this week's Parsha was said, Bahakel, is because Rov Kufetora Tuluyimba, because a majority of the major precepts of our Torah are found in this week's parsha, And indeed, if you look in the Ramban, he shows you how you have the Ten Commandments in this week's parsha, just in a different form. I think that what I'd like to point out is that we were just privileged to undergo Mikro'e Kodesh, to undergo, as the Ramban understands when we read on the second day of Pesach, that these are the holidays which we are to proclaim them. And he understands that this phrase includes the charge that the Jewish community is to gather on the holidays for the purpose of reading the Torah, and communal study. It is just this point that I'd like to share with you that unfortunately the Jews in the Shoah, in the Holocaust, who were oppressed bodily and soul, it is they who asked incredible questions showing their determination that even under the most challenging of times, they would, to the best of their ability, try to maintain and safeguard Jewish law. And so, Horav Ephraim Ashri, Zechet Tzadik Levracha, who wrote Shalos and Chuvos Mimamakim, literally five volumes of Responsa. He was the spiritual leader of the Kovno ghetto during the Holocaust, and he was respected as an accomplished Tamil Chacham. He was presented with many questions about Jewish law amidst the hardships of the ghetto life. Rav Ashri wrote the questions and answers on scraps of paper torn from concrete sacks, placed these notes into tin cans, and then buried them. These questions 
reflect the dilemmas faced by Jews in the Shoah and serve as a historic record of how the Jews in the Kovno Ghetto were determined to live by Halacha despite the inhuman, horrifying conditions. And after the liberation of Kovno in August 1944, Ravashri retrieved the hidden archive and published his five volumes of Responsa. And I'd like to share with you one tshuva which comes from his second volume of Mimamakim. It happens to be the 11th question. And that is as follows. May one endanger oneself for the sake of religious study and public worship. This question came to Rav Ashri on the 13th of Elul, 5702, corresponding to August 26, 1942. On that day, the Nazis, Yemach Shemam, may his name be obliterated, passed a law forbidding the captive Jews in the ghetto to bless God in public assembly and to gather in synagogues and Batei Medrash for religious study, prayer, beseeching of God in their distress and entreating Him to help them, deliver them and rescue them from their plight and redeem them from descent into the abyss. The ghetto inmates, broken-hearted and despairing, physically exhausted and embittered after a day of back-breaking forced labor, will want to banish their troubles from mind by gathering in their mikdash ma'at, in their temples in miniature, the synagogues, and Bate medrash. There they would participate in regular Torah study with teachers, group study of Talmud and Mishnah, Drushos, lectures on Musa, sermons of encouragement and consolation delivered by rabbis and preachers who gave their listeners pleasures and imparted to them the sweetness of the sages' utterances. Thus, they were infused with hope, trust, faith in and fear of the Holy One of Israel, the Rock and Redeemer of Israel, urging Him to rise, to avenge the adversary, to crush the head of the Nazi viper in full view, and give the Jewish myriads the merit of beholding the avenging of his servants spill blood with their own eyes. Ravashi writes that he was among those who sustained the community's righteousness by continuing in those hours of darkness and agony to impart Torah to God's people. And in his base medrash, the famous house of study known as Abu Yecheskel's Kloys, he continued to offer his regular lessons for the public. And even afterwards, when the accursed oppressors closed this house of study, savaged its splendor and turned it into a prison, Rav Ashri moved to the Havoyas Hamais Kloys building, the synagogue at Gafinowitz House on Vilna Street, and to Chaim Shapir's synagogue on Verena Street, near the Eltensrat, the Council of the Elders building. And he devoted himself particularly to the daily lessons that he gave to the, to the Teferes Bonim Society. 
wherever he taught, assisted by HaKadosh Baruch Hu, he who dwells on high, he was able to bolster the faltering courage and wavering morale of the Jewish youth and masses. And he tried to impart intelligence and wisdom so that his listeners would realize and understand that just as one utters a blessing, as the Gemara teaches in the last chapter of Brachos, when things go well, so one must offer a blessing when things go poorly. That we must wait silently for God's succor and deliverance, because God is good to those who place their hopes in Him and await His mercy. And He is near to all those who call upon Him sincerely. And that we must gird with faith and trust to bear the burden gladly and willingly, because hope for our future still exists. Observe, as the accursed savages in their cruel hearts plotted evil at all hours against the offspring of the Jewish people, the Jews did not lose sight of the source of their strength and consolation, which derives from their Torah and places of worship. Because the Nazis' sole intention and aim was to envelop the inmates in despair and hopelessness, they issued this decree forbidding the ghetto Jews from blessing God in assemblies, synagogues, and houses of study, and from gathering there for worship or study purposes upon the penalty of death. And so it was that Rabbi Tolly Weintraub, may Hashem avenge his blood, the Gabbai of Garfinowitz's synagogue, may Hashem avenge his blood, approached me and asked me whether the Torah requires one to place himself at physical or mortal peril by attending a minion in the cloys where he used to pray every morning and evening. Is he obligated to forfeit his life for the sake of Torah and public worship or not? The answer that Rav Ashri gives is in the positive, showing that especially at this time when, unfortunately, it is a time of religious persecution. And he cites the various uh, sources for this, the Gemara in Sanhedrin, Afilu, Arkasat, and Misana. The concept is not so much the particulars. And you're welcome to look at Volume 2, and as I said, Responser 11, as to the particulars, as to why he moved this way. The key idea that we have to learn therefrom is that they asked this question, and so many followed this example and this teaching. And this has to be such an important lesson to us. Those of us who are privileged to pray every day in the synagogue, every morning and every evening, to realize, wow, how privileged we are, that when we walk in to the Beis HaKnesses and we're able to say, Matovu, O Alecha Yaakov, Mishkin Osecha Yisrael, we're saying, wow, what it means, the privilege of being home. And for those of us who don't yet attend synagogue as regularly as we do, we should be reminded, because of these very special individuals who gave their lives in such a terrible way and did so often time 
clearly sanctifying God's name. The Gemara in Brachos 6a teaches, in the name of Abba, Binyamin, your prayers have such a better chance of being heard even if without a minion. If you can't daven with a minion, daven at least in the shul just to daven with a place of the Beis HaKnesses. And if a person can't come to the synagogue, let him daven at home, says the Shulchan Aruch, at a time when they are praying in the synagogue. And the Gemara in Brachos Tavches Amaralev quotes that famous verse, Vanis Filasi, which we said at the conclusion of, when we took out the Torah on first days, last days, after the Yudgimum Midos, Vanisvilasi, Lecha Hashem Eisratzon, as for me, says King David in Tilim 69, my prayer to you, Hashem, may it be at an opportune time. And what's considered an opportune time, says the Gemara, It's at a time when the congregation prays. In other words, there's so much better of a chance that your prayer is going to be answered when you pray with a minion. And this is what we have to derive from the opening part of the parasha. The parasha says that Moshe gathered the entire nation of Israel because he was teaching them that the entire nation of Israel has the potential of being holy. And you shouldn't think that, oh, holiness, this is only for the select few. You don't need a title. Each individual Jew has this capacity to, and each of us, should be incredibly inspired and learn from the Kedoshim, as indeed the name of the Parsha is, the Kedoshim, who literally sanctified God's name and were willing to risk their life to go to Shul. May we be privileged to do so with a sense of happiness and joy, giving meaning to their Kiddush Hashem. Shabbat Shalom to all.
a.m. Friday morning. Aisha Schild done by the Maccabees on the brand new One Day More here at JM in the AM. Rumor flying that the Maccabees are going to be here next week. Thursday, May 1st, they're scheduled to stop by. We'll see if we can get them to sing for us here in studio at JM in the AM. I guess that's Rosh Chodesh ER Thursday. So that's the official start of our... Uh, Sphere of format here at JM and the AM. Mazel Tov going out to Dr. Michelle Weissman on the birth of a baby boy. Mazel Tov from all of us here at JM and the AM. And Mazel Tov to big brothers uh, Ariel, Daron, and Matan, and grandparents Carol and Bob Weissman. Mazel Tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. Friday morning on this 10th day in the counting of the Omer, one week and three days. We forgot to count last night. Make sure to do so sometime today. It's Erev Shabbos Parshas Kedoshim. Candle lighting 726. Many synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Rosh Chodesh ER will be Wednesday and Thursday. Rosh Chodesh will be Wednesday and Thursday. And again, uh, we'll be down at the uh, Norpak Mission celebrating Norpak 1000 this coming Wednesday beginning at uh, 6 a.m. in Washington. Um, right around 1,000 people are expected in Washington that day with NORPAC to uh, lobby Washington, to speak with members of Congress, to express a, a point of view that is important to express in the halls of Congress regarding Israel and um, America's uh, attitude toward Israel. So that's all happening Wednesday. If you want to be part of the 1,000, go to norpac.net, N-O-R-P-A-C.net, for all the information. 46 degrees, partly cloudy, a high 61. It's a quarter before 9 o'clock, J.M. in the A.M. Again, a reminder that the uh, rally is on 3rd Avenue and East 40th Street at the U.N. Mission this coming Sunday. A, um, a prayer rally and a Holocaust remembrance rally in front of the U.N.-Iranian mission. And we are asking everybody to come on out and make your voice heard. If you missed our conversation with Malcolm Honline, there are plenty of reasons to make your voice heard. And I mean plenty. So, um... Try your hardest to be there this coming Sunday. Uh, JM in the AM, 14 minutes before the hour. This comes from a gentleman and a group that is about to make Jewish music history. Here's Schlockrock at JM in the AM.
It's Schlockrock with a uh, Shabbos selection entitled Aishas Chayel. What is the history that's about to be made? On May 5th, Lenny Solomon and Schlockrock will embark on their... Um, on their uh, Lagbomer tour, right? I guess we'll call it a Lagbomer tour. And on May 5th, they'll be in Charleston, West Virginia. On May 6th, for Yom Ha'atzmaut in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. And May 7th, in Fargo, North Dakota. May 12th, in Laramie, Wyoming. May 13th, in Bozeman, Montana. May 14th, in Boise, Idaho. And then May 18th, the Logba Omer show in Albuquerque, New Mexico. When that ends, when that section of the Logba Omer tour ends in Albuquerque, New Mexico, Schlockrock will have played in all 50 states of the United States of America, which is unbelievable. So, and we, we got to speak with Lenny about this at some point. Uh, all 50 states, as far as we know, the first Jewish musician or act to play in all 50 states of the United States. By the way, and I was discussing this with my kids last night, on May 22nd, the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs, I'm not kidding, that's their name, the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs in Allentown, Pennsylvania, have a Jewish Heritage Night. And I'm not kidding. And Schlockrock is performing starting at 5 p.m. that night. It's May 22nd. I think it's a Thursday. Schlockrock is performing 5 p.m. that night before the game. And you can, if you buy tickets to the game, they actually have an Iron Pigs yarmulke <laughs> that they are giving out as part of the promotion for that game. This would be an amazing road trip to actually go out there that Thursday and enjoy. I'm thinking about it. I am thinking about this, going out there Thursday to enjoy that game. Anyway, um, I thought that was funny. That's how Lenny's tour is going to end this time around, but not before he does all 50 states, which is pretty amazing. He'll be in places like Montana, Wyoming, North Dakota, Mississippi, Idaho, New Mexico, all through the middle of May, and he will have played all 50 states. Incredible. Mazal tov to you, Lenny Solomon. Hopefully we'll speak about it as we get closer to the tour right here at JM in the AM. Shalshelis at JM in the AM.
JM in the AM with Shalshelis and Aisha's Kyle. want to remind everybody this coming Monday night, the Kane University Holocaust commemoration is going to be happening at 1000 Morris Avenue in Union, New Jersey, brought to you by the Jewish Federation of Greater Metro West and Kane University. That's happening this coming uh, Monday night. Doors will open at 645. There'll be a recognition of Holocaust survivors from Livingston, New Jersey and Queens, New York. Uh, there'll be a, um, an analysis of lesser-known aspects of the Holocaust, including Kristallnacht, the SS St. Louis, and the Kinder Transport, a candlelighting ceremony in recognition of the 20th anniversary of the New Jersey Mandate for Holocaust Education in Schools. It is all happening this coming Monday, 6.45 p.m. on the Kane University campus. And we'll remind you about that again this coming Monday morning. Candlelighting at 7.26. Many synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Time to say good Shabbos with Journeys at JM in the AM. Study and you'll pray. Why not wait till I 
Shabbos Cause all your work is done Gonna spend the day together with the Holy One Say a special blessing on a cup that's filled with wine Brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard and listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial and around the world on the web, jmnam.org. Don't forget Naomi Nachman next with an encore presentation of Table for Two on our stream at jmnam.org from 10 a.m. all the way until candlelighting, an incredible stream of Erev Shabbos music with a big thank you to our friends at Kedem. That happens uh, for nine and a half hours starting at 10 a.m. this morning. Make sure to be tuned in all day long on the stream. Saturday night, Siegel tomorrow night. Matis with JM Sunday, 7 a.m. Sunday morning on our stream at jmtheam.org. Have a fabulous Shabbos, wonderful weekend. Until next week, Nachum Siegel reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.